All right, now let's get right into the word because uh, I gave this word this morning. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Uh, we'll read in verse 3 through 7. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And verse 3 through verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 3 through verse number 7. Uh, this is an epistle. We read the epistles. I told you this morning and I told you in the minister's uh, class yesterday that when you're talking about scriptures, scriptures is the Old Testament. All the scriptures has been fulfilled. All right? That's why Christ came. Isn't that right? All right. The word we fulfilled, we gave you like four definitions of the word fulfilled. Uh, it's been accomplished. The word fulfilled means finished. Brought to an end. All right. All right. That's what the word for scripture means. Already been brought to an end. So we are not here to try to get scripture. Now, I want you to know that because I'm going to say something in today's teaching when I teach on 1 Corinthians 13. Don't let me forget it. I'm going to show it to you because that's what people are trying to do today is still use prophecy in the church to try to get people to know what God is saying. And I'm going to show you in the word. All right, that's out of order because we already got the word. I don't think you understand. We got the word. So if I got the word, you don't need to stand up in the church and say, yea, the Lord says. All right. All right. So you got to know what the word says. See, if you know what the word says, you know how to obey the word. All right. Now, some churches do that. You probably see that. You think that's order. That is out of order. For a person to stand up today while you have the gospel of Christ, the gospel of grace, and stand up and pray in a church and then turn around and say, this is what the Lord said. You already got what the Lord said. Sit down. See, some of y'all don't know what y'all don't know what the Lord said. You won't know what the Lord said? That's why you got a Bible. If you don't live to learn, if you don't learn to live that way, you're gonna be misled. Amen. Because people will stand up in the church and say, what pray in the spirit five minutes and everybody stop in the church and say, This is what the Lord said. And then you turn around and tell people, Oh, you don't believe in prophecy? Oh yeah. I'm gonna show you in the Bible. It has ended. Let's move on. All right. So you know what the word says. You can fight against that stuff. You don't know the word? Oh, well, I, 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 I'm glad I didn't do that. Well, I'm glad you didn't either. <laughs> Praise God. And be ready to escort you out. All right. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3 on the screen. That's where we are. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid. I'm going to come to this camera right here. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and I say of your servant for Jesus' sake. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has, past tense, shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Not of us. Now, I want to read that same thing out of the NLT. For those who may not know, here we do read the Bible out of the NLT called the New Living Translation. We do have these Bibles in our storehouse, all right? And if you are a guest of ours today or next week, we will give you an NLT Bible just for you to be here. 
That's how much what we, we want you to get the word. Right, now, you've already been here for five years. Don't go get no any or tea from the storehouse. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's read that out to any of your chiefs. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I just said that so you won't go there saying, Pastor Crumb told me. To, no, I didn't. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read this same thing out of the NLT. Verse number 3. It says, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people, from people, watch this, who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, and we know that at that time he was the god of the old world. He's not god of the new, the god of the old world. Satan is in, in hell already. He has blinded the minds of those who believe, don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. See, that's what you're preaching when you preach Christ. You're preaching the glory of God, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching out about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who, here it is, said, Genesis chapter 1 and 1, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our heart so we could know. See, that's what the gospel does. It shines your heart so you can know the glory of God. Somebody said the glory of God. That is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. So Paul is giving you the record. So I, I, this morning I did go back to Genesis. I'm not going to do it again. In Genesis chapter 1, it said, let there be light. All right. Now, why did he say that? Because of the darkness. And that's what happened when Christ came. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 4, and we're just going to follow up the leader of the Spirit to get to our message. So we are talking about part 6, part 6 on the Apostle Paul ministry, let there be light. All right? So that's what's happening when you preach Christ. When you preach Christ, really what you're saying is, is let there be light. The Spirit of God said this to me also, turn the light on. When you get in a dark situation, what do you do? Turn your light on. And that's what God did when he, we well, see it here, Matthew chapter number four. That's what he did. When Christ came into your life, what did God do? He turned the light on. Why did God turn the light on? Because he was about to work in your life. God cannot work in your life until he come inside and turn the light on. Let there be light. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Uh, is that what you gave me this morning? No. Yeah. All right. Now, you all were here this morning. If you were, you ought to know what she gave me. See, that's the time. Start at verse 12. That's the problem. Okay, I was thinking of verse 1. All right, thank you very much. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. See, me and my wife, we talk like that after 50... 54 years, huh? Verse 12, yeah. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus, on the screen, here we go. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, 
he departed into Galilee. Now I said that because I'm showing you Galilee and Nazareth. We took you through that this morning. I think somebody found me a script. You can find me that again. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Remember that verse? Right, because Galilee was of the Gentiles. It was where slaves lived. Galilee of the Gentiles, okay? They were very poor people. So when you hear John say, uh, when Jesus was talking to the disciple that he called, and he says, Rabbi, thou the son of God. He said, thou shalt see greater thing than thee. But then the man said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's the verse you quoted, fan, right? All right, now when Jesus had heard, we back in our chapter, now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed to Galilee. Now watch what's going to happen when he get there. And leaving Nazareth, somebody said Nazareth, right. He came to dwell in Capernaum, which is up on the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, or Naphtali. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Watch what he's doing. The people were set in darkness. He's talking about the Gentiles. Remember, light is only preached to the Gentiles. The glory of God was preached to the Jews. They saw his glory. They saw his miracles. The Gentiles, the gospel is preached to the Gentiles. So you ought to be grateful to the Lord. This people were set in darkness, saw great light. And the them which sat in the regions of the shadow of death, light is sprung up, light be, let there be light. How did God do it? From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what the repent there was talking about, change your mind, change the way you're thinking, because now the kingdom of God, is at, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right. The gospel of John chapter one, let's go there. The gospel of John chapter one, and we're going to go begin our reading at verse number 43. The John chapter 1, verse 43. He's going to call Philip and Nathaniel. But watch what's going to happen. John chapter 1 and verse number 43. That's what we're waiting on. It says, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip and say to him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, long as he's Jesus, he's the son of man. And Nathanael said to him, can any, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God. Nathanael says, Which knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip called you, when you was under the fig tree, I saw you. He let him know, you, you, You're not talking to Jesus of Nazareth now. You're talking to the Son of God. I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Thou art the king of Israel. Watch what happened when he believed that. Jesus said to him, and thou shalt see, are you saying because I said to you, I saw you on the fig tree, you believe? 
thou shalt see greater thing than this. And he said, verily, verily, I said to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. And you're going to see angel of God ascending and descending up on the son of man. Son of man? Yeah, that was the closing out when they were in the book of Acts. See, Jesus Christ was called the son of man. All right, in the old covenant. New covenant, he's the son of God. All right, let's move on. Now, let's move on, get into the word. All right, now let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm headed to my message. Isaiah chapter 9, let there be light. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah was the prophet. As a matter of fact, let's back up a little further to Isaiah chapter 6 before we go to Isaiah chapter 9. Remember, Isaiah was called by God and he saw the glory of God. His message preached. That's why if you look at Christ, when Christ came into his ministry, the first message he preached was the book of Isaiah. Chapter 6 to 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. Remember that? All right, here it is in Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse number 8. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Now, Isaiah has now come into the temple of the Lord. Now, we already told the temple of the Lord because that's who we are now, right? But here's Isaiah. Isaiah's a type of the prophet, or he's also a type of Christ in the Old Testament. So watch what it says. I heard the voice of the Lord. We're in verse 8. Saying, because he was in the temple. What do you hear the voice of God at? In the temple. That's who you are. If you are the temple of God, why don't you hear the voice of the Lord? And I heard the voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. And he said to Isaiah, go tell this people. Now remember Christ did this. I just read to you in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus came and preached the gospel of the kingdom. That's what he did. Go tell this people, hear Israel. Go tell this people, hear Israel. You indeed, but understand not. See, you're going to hear, but you're not going to stand. And you shall indeed, and you're going to see indeed, but you're not going to perceive. See, you're going to see. I'm going to show you because their heart is closed. And God has closed their heart. God must open your heart before he can open to you the scriptures or cause you to see, understand the word. Your heart got to be open. All right, verse number 10. Take the heart of this people. This is what God told them to do. Take the heart of this people fat. I'm sorry. Take the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Remember, the eyes is the heart. Lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart. Because if they did that, they could be saved. They could be converted and be healed. If they could see with their eyes. They work in their heart. They could heal with their ears. See with their eyes. They could be saved. Watch what verse 11 says. Then says I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants, the house without man and the land be utterly desolate. So that's what happened to them because they couldn't get the word. But the Gentile got the word. I gave you that this morning. We're going to show you one verse. And that's uh, in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 42. After Israel rejected the word of God, we're going to go back to Isaiah in a moment. After they rejected the word of God, and verse number 42, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentile, we know they were Greek 
at that time, the Gentile besought that these, would, these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. All right? But watch what happened in verse 44. Let's skip down to verse 44. The next Sabbath, the Bible says, came almost a whole city together to hear the word of God. It's an awesome thing. Now, I know, I told you last week, last week teaching, 11 o'clock service, that Jesus had ministry was fulfilled in two things. Anybody remember? Thank you, Sister Crump. Thank you for building everybody out. Thank you very much. Jesus did two things. What was it? Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, prayed for the sick to be healed all day. See, that's why the Bible says if the books could be written, there would not be room enough. I show you that in the Gospel of St. John, the last chapter. But we'll go to that next. Somebody can already find the Gospel of John, chapter 20 or 21, one of them. It says the books could be written. There would not be room enough. So he healed the sick all day. And he preached the gospel all day. Now, what did he do all night? I gave it on last week tape. Make sure you get the last week tape uh, on YouTube probably now. And uh, you'll be able to see part four. And that's what he did. He pr prayed all night. Now, all night means from 6 o'clock in the afternoon to 6 o'clock in the morning. That's how long he prayed. But the key was, you got to understand prayer. He had specific purposes. He had specific things that he prayed about. We know when he came to Lazarus' funeral, guess what? He had just left prayer. See, the reason he was not worried or troubled about what was happening because he just left prayer. Jesus prayed all night. Now, the word of God tell you that. I showed you the scripture last week. Get last week tape. And then he preached the word and taught the word and healed the sick all day. And then he would leave. See, Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. Jesus did not have a house because he came to build his house. You remember he told you that Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I'll build my house? He called the church. So he came to build. So when you don't receive Christ and be a part of the body of Christ, you are saying to the Father, your son can't live here. You don't want him to live in you. See, he's not living in a brick and mortar. No, you're not that your body See, that's what 1 Corinthians 3.16 told us. You are the temple of God. We're going to show you, we'll show you that. We don't want people just to take for granted. All right? Now, let's just go there. 1 Corinthians 3.16. If I said something, don't let me walk away from it, okay? We, we'll go there next. John chapter 20, what verse? 30 and 31. Look at 1 Corinthians. Well, I just told you to go now. You can't say all at one time. Somebody just has to be clear. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Thank you very much. On the temple, right? Let's read that on the screen. It said, no, you're not that you are the temple of God. So if you're born again, you're the temple now, right? Now, that's not what religious folks are saying. They said, oh, yeah, the Lord's going to come back. They're going to raise the dead. And then they're going to build the temple in Jerusalem. God's not going to build no temple in Jerusalem. See, that means that all of us got to go over to Jerusalem to see Jesus. That's not the Bible. See, if you know why? He's Christ now. 
Where is he seated at now? Come on, he's seated in the heavenly places. And he also, the heavenly places is you. See, that, we got to see the Bible as we the temple. He is in the temple. But we are the temple. So when the Bible says we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ, where is Christ? Christ in us, Colossians 1.27. So you got to know he's not talking about a, a, a big dome somewhere where everybody's going to go just like you have in New Orleans. Like everybody's going to go and see Jesus. That's not what God's doing. See, you've been deceived. All right? Uh, Christ lives in us. He does not live in flesh and blood. Let me just show you that. Look at, look at the book of Acts, chapter 28. See, everything I say, I'm telling you because of what the Word says. I don't tell you anything is not the Word. I don't, go on, I don't go on that. I'm going on what the Word says. Heaven and earth going to pass away. But my Word shall not pass away. Who I just tell you to go to? Let's go to, uh, I don't want to go to Acts chapter 28. I'm going to go verse 28, but I'm going to have to go all the way back to uh, let me find it here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so very much, Carolyn. See, when you're one spirit, you know where this stuff is. All right. Acts chapter number 17. Thank you very much. Can we give Kellen a big hand? That's Sister Kellen. See, you do good this class. I, I give you a big hand. Some of y'all don't want to clap, but you didn't know who that verse was. Acts chapter 17. All right. Acts chapter number 17. Told you, told you about God. All right. Now, let's start reading verse 22. Thank you very much. I like to give honor to whom honor to do. When somebody say that, you find scripture for me. I'm going to thank you. But I could have wasted another minute. It made me look bad. You made me look good. Acts 17, 22, read. It says, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens, I prove, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. There were people going to church. Why? I passed by and I beheld your devotion and I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. They were worshiping God to even know who he was. Put a sign up there on the thing, unknown God. We don't know who he is but we're going to worship him. Whom therefore you ignorantly, remember, without knowledge, you ignorantly worship him declare unto you. Now watch what Paul says. God that made the world and all therein, seeing he is Lord of heaven and earth. Who is he? He's Lord of heaven and earth. Dwelleth not, he does not live in temples made with hands. You know, people think that, 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 that the Lord lives in the church. They'll tell you in a minute, if that church is not this on the door, that's not, that's not what God is. They think God, listen, if you're not in the church, if you are not in Christ and you come in the church, then God is still not in the church. Come on now, you got, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to show you. You got to understand something. God come in the church in you. You know, I had a person, I want to speak to this camera right here. I had a person get an attitude with me because I did not come bless their house. They said, you, Pastor, would you come and bless my house? We just got a house. I want you to come bless. The house is going to be blessed when you move in. 
God is not, if God in you, wait a minute, if God in you, God's going to be in the house. Listen, if you're not in Christ and I bless the house and leave, and then you are there, the devil just came in the house with you. That's foolishness. I can't just bless your house and then God move in. God is in us, church. Come on, give him a big hand clap. The Spirit of God will come in a, in a place, even in this place here. The Spirit of God is in this place moving all over. But because we are worshiping him. You understand that? You play evil worship, the Spirit of God leaves. You leave, if you do confusion, the Spirit of God leaves. Because you're not a God of confusion or he's not in the midst of confusion. So you got to understand, you, that's why we do praise and worship here. So the Spirit of God can be moving, can move in the church. All right, now let's move on. That's just another book. I got to get to my message. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9. Go to work, Pastor. Go to work. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 3. The people, this was Galilee of the Gentiles. The people that walked in darkness. I said they walked in darkness. I'm going to show you. I gave you the word this morning. I'm going to use two words, ignorance. That's darkness. But the word I'm using today is called hate or not loving. So when you don't love, you in darkness. And people don't realize that. You're walking out of the flesh. And you're grieving the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit's in you. All right? Now, Isaiah 9 and, and, and 2 says, Isaiah 9 and 2, did I say 9 and 2? I said three, but I'm not going to be able to. I'm just going to do verse two for time's sake. Isaiah 9 and 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Now, I gave you that this morning in Matthew chapter number 4 and verse 12. I just read it. He's talking about Galilee of the Gentiles. All right, now let's go to Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 5. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 5. If you're born of the Spirit, you got to let there be light. Otherwise, you got to let the light shine. So when people don't forgive, they grieve the Holy Spirit. They keep the light from shining. That's the work of Satan. You, can't, you don't choose who you're going to love. Oh, Jesus, I love that. Isaiah chapter number 40. 42, right? What verse I give you? Isaiah 42 and verse 5. Thus said the God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and the earth and stretched them out, and he that spread the earth and that which cometh out of it, and he that giveth breath unto, unto the people upon it, the spirit in them that walk therein. The Lord has called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and give thee a covenant of the people. Watch this. A light. For a light. For a light of the Gentile. For a light of the uh, That's who the light came. The gospel is being preached to the Gentile. See what happened when the Gentile don't want the word. That means you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. You, you, you could be Greek or any other nation at that time. That's what they were. Otherwise, when you reject it, this is who God sent the word to. All right. Why? To open the blind eyes. 
That's what God sent you to work. See, people won't pass across. Just pray for me that the Lord will reveal his word to me and pray for me that I'll be able to un- bring you behind here and get the word. God want to open your eyes if you'll come get the word. Open the blind eyes, bring out the prisoners. See, people don't realize if you hate you in prison. I'm going to show you what, what prison, prisoners are. You don't have to be behind bars to be in prison. You can be sitting right in here right now in prison. Because you can't love, guess what? You are in prison. Now you know that had to be the devil. I had the whole play the fly light on my finger. I just felt it. I don't know where it, where it go. But you know that's the devil. You know what? But he know I'm a country boy. If I had seen him, I would have spanked his butt. <laughs> right in church. All right. Ain't no shame in my game. My wife said, you killed that kid. Uh, if I, whatever I got, if I got a hat, he dead, bam. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is what God came to do. Open their eyes, open their blind eyes. Bring out the prisoners from the prison. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Now this is what Jesus came to do. And people don't realize that they're in bondage, they're in prison. Within your own house, you could be in prison. That's an awesome thing. Ain't nobody in the room but you, and you in prison. Let's go to work. Write down the word prisoner. I got to do one more. Isaiah 49, 6. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 49 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. And he says, it's a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribe of Jacob to restore the reserve, preserved of Israel. I would also give thee for light to the Gentile. So you got to understand, he talked about Israel, but he said, and also I will, give, I will give you a light to the Gentile that that might be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. So he came to give us salvation through the word. That's his point. Our salvation is through preaching Christ. All right, now here's what a prisoner is. A person legally held in, in prison as punishment for a crime they have committed. That is called a prisoner. Another one, a person deprived of liberty and kept in custody is called a prisoner. You can be held captive, called a prisoner. You don't have to be in jail to be held captive. Also, you could be in bondage. Could be a call. I was in bondage. I used to be in bondage. Hello, lights. A prisoner is a person bound in their own conscience. That's why you got to get saved. People don't realize what God wants you to do is save you, save you from your own self. It's an awesome thing. He wants to save you from your own sin, save you from your own conscience, save you from death, save you from hell, save you from next week. And people still won't let God save them. 
They don't even know what's going to come tomorrow. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and yet they don't want to give God their life. And then you wait till the wind blow like it did last night. Say, Lord, make sure you watch up and blow down on us. Why don't you get saved? When you get saved, you go to sleep. We got Sister Tawana in the house now. We can sing, save in his arm. You know I do it. Don't be looking at me behind that man. You know I'll do it. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Amen. She'll sing it too. So you can, be in, you can be in bondage, see? Anything can have you in bondage. I'm not, going, I'm not naming no mess. I'm here to go on. You know if you, something bound you. It can be food, so it's not a big deal. It can be anything. You can be up walking 2 o'clock in the morning trying to get food out of the refrigerator. <laughs> it, it, it can be anything, so I'm just saying, don't put yourself up there. All right. But the opposite of, of, of prisoner is freedom. So if you're not free, you're in bondage. If you're not in liberty, you're in bondage. See, that was a, that was a time that I try to make my wife like me. And you know what I do? Put her in bondage. I can't make her out of my image. I don't want her to be like me. God forbid, but I was trying. I was so jealous of my wife until I put sticks in the front of the tire to see how she left home. Come on now, y'all talk to me. Stop playing around. See, people don't know. That's jealousy. Jealousy puts you in bondage. You don't want to hear what I'm saying because some of y'all don't know nothing about no marriage. So jealousy puts you in bondage. You'll get married, don't marry a jealous man because you see somebody and you talk to somebody, you're going to fuss out the church. Who was that? And what did he want? Come on now, that's jealousy. Now what if I was jealous? My wife couldn't talk to nobody. That's bondage. I saw that guy talk to you. What do you want? I'm like this here, if I've been with my wife for 54 years and I'm still not sure, I need to go home and go to bed. <laughs> you been married to your wife all them years and you don't know she don't want nobody else? People are just jealous. Look at the, how much gas in the car. I know it was a half a, I know that tank was right on Miller Way. You've been mooring over there. I ain't nothing but jealousy. You put people in bondage. See, I'm going to this. I'm, I'm going to stay on this the rest of the day anyway. But if you hate somebody, that's what I'm on today. You're in bondage. It's an awesome thing to have hate in your heart for somebody. And you go like, I, I don't hate them. I just don't like them. Same thing. What you think hate is? It ain't love. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians out of the NLT Bible before I get into the rest of my message. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's see how you loving. Because you got folks that tell you, oh, I'm loving, I'm walking in love, Reverend. Listen, you can't even forgive. How are you loving? I mean, do you understand? Are y'all listening? You can't not be loving me and won't forgive me. 
Now, God's not talking about your kind of love. He's talking about his love. That's what people mess up at. It's called the love of God. Jesus said in John 5, 42, put John 5, 42 up there before you go to my scripture, because I'm, I'm going to go there, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to be there a while. John chapter 5, verse 42. Watch what Jesus said to, the, to those people who want to do something to him. Now, they was, they was hating on Jesus, but watch what Jesus said to them. He said, I know you. I don't think people understand about God. God know you. He said, and I know you do not have the love of God in you. Because how in the world are you trying to kill me and got the love of God in you? See, you got some people, they will, they will tell you everything they're going to do to you, and then they'll turn around and say, bless God. <laughs> Listen, you can't use God's name in vain. Look at John. Uh, John 5, 42, I already gave it. Now I got to go to uh, 1 Corinthians. That's where we're going. 1 Corinthians. I, these kind of teaching, I tell the earth to shut the door, but I won't do it today. Don't bother. You're okay, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to do this here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Out of any of the Bible. Coming down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Out of the NLT Bible. Paul said, I could speak the language of the earth and of angels, but didn't have others, didn't have love for others. See, that's what happened. We, we want to pray in the spirit, but you don't love nobody. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. That ain't no good. See, pray in the spirit, you ought to pray in the spirit. But it do not do any good if you don't love nobody. If you're not walking in love. See, walking in love is not a talk. Let me sit right here. I'm going to be here for a while, guys. I can feel it. All right. Now, it said, I will only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You heard that. Bling, 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 bling. Make a lot of noise. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy. This is what I was telling you earlier. And if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountain, but I didn't love others more than you is at this church. I'm your pastor. More than you is at this church. When you come to church, you come to church to worship and fellowship. You come to get the word. You come to worship God, come get the word of God, but fellowship. It's something to go to the same church and you don't know nobody. Never shake nobody's hand. Never say nothing to nobody. I just mind my own business. I just steady to be quiet. That ain't no love. You ever had a married life? Supposing your wife or husband treated you that way. I don't say nothing to him. I just started to be quiet. I mind my own business. If he says something to me, I say something to him. But if he don't say something to me, I won't say something to him. That ain't no love. We got a young man. 
We got a young man, never been to this ministry before. Stand up, sir. He never been to this ministry store. Came here to be a part of this church this morning. See that man right there? The way you keep people in the church is love. So you think about that man. He just came to this church. You mind if I use you, okay? Thank you, okay. He came to this church, and people come in that day, nobody said unto him. He comes in, he walks out this Sunday. Come to church next Sunday, just done. What do you think he's going to be out the while? He's going to walk back out that door. You know why? Nobody went to him. Nobody said unto him. Now the Lord sent him here, but you got to learn how to keep them. If you love them, you can keep them. That's how it works. See, people still walk in the door. You got to understand that God's bringing people here. But it's going to take us to keep them here. You got to get out your own little click, out your own little seat on your own side. It, it's just like if I told, if I told the usher next Sunday when you come in that door, seeing you on the other side, you'll leave the church. I ain't going to that church. I sit on that side and that row. I sit so here on that row. And when you bother that, I'm out of here. That ain't no love. That usher told me I got to go over there and sit. There ain't no love. It's just like if we sit in our own seat, we anointed. That thing is anointed. We, you know, once I sit here, I'm here. I mean, think about taking them little dots off that, them seats and switch them. It'd be like, uh-uh, I was right there. <laughs> Blow your mind. Blow your mind. If I stop right now and say, everybody on this side, come on this side, everybody on this side, go on this side. I ain't going, I'm leaving. We're in 1 Corinthians 13 for real right now. Watch what verse number three says. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body and I, and I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. Verse number four says, love is patient. Now, he's telling you about patience. Now, you got to understand something. You, you telling me you love? Watch this. Love is patient. Now, are you patient? Don't answer that. Love is kind. Are you still rude to people? See, is there anybody that you haven't forgiven that every now and then you open your shirt and go, pam, pam, pam. All somebody got to do is bring up their name. <laughs> Nobody hear it, but that's what you're doing inside. All somebody got to do is call their name out to you, and you go. <laughs> and then you got your hands up. And you know if they're walking here right now, you be wanting to get them. If they're walking here right now, sit beside you, you move. But I love you, Jesus. That is Jesus. That was Jesus that you just didn't love. 
That's what Jesus says when he taught. He taught, if you do this to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me. We are the body of Christ. How you treat the body of Christ is how you treat God himself. We don't realize that. People are put into the ministry to serve. And then when they tell people to do, <laughs> love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. Now you have to stop right there and just, are you jealous? And don't be looking at me smiling, are you jealous? I just want that to sink in. Who was that? You know what I'm saying. Now I saw her come and talk to you last Sunday. Who was that? What did she want? You already know, ain't nothing but jealousy. Ain't nothing but jealousy. Love is not jealous. Love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. See, well, listen, you, you got, do, you, do you have to have your way? Is it my way or it ain't nobody's way? Well, you ain't no love. Ain't no love. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no, this is what I want to get to. Love keeps no record of being wronged. When somebody did me wrong, I got a record. I'll never forget what they did to me. There ain't no love. Love won't forgive. I'm sorry, when you, when, you, when you don't have love, you keep a record of who wronged you. You won't forgive them. That's what it means. Because if you forgave them, you don't remember what they did. Because you keep reminding people what they did, it means you haven't forgiven them. I know I specialize in that. The Lord got me up one night. I jumped up in the middle of my bed, and I was jumping up in the bed. I remember we had a water bed. I told my wife at that time, I said, honey, I can forgive. I forgive you. I jumped up in my bed like that. She's like, what? She's like, what? I said, that's okay. I'm free. See, when you can't forgive, it ain't the person who in bondage. It's you. You the one. Let me say it again because people don't understand. When you don't forgive nobody, I don't feel nothing. If you don't forgive me, I don't feel nothing. I'm going home. Go to bed. You ask my wife. I go to bed or go to sleep. You the one stay up all night mad. But if you forgive, you can get some rest. That's one of the greatest reasons people cannot enter into God's rest because they won't forgive People did you wrong, but you won't forgive them. And I always like to say it this way, hurting people hurts people. 
I tell you all, when you, if I do marriage counseling, that's one of the things I deal with in marriage counseling. Are you over it? Because you've been married before, are you over it? I hope the joker die. You ain't over it. <laughs> and then you come into a new relationship mad with the man you divorced. You ain't over it. I tell a person in a moment, if you're still jealous of the person you got, don't leave him. You're still in love. Oh, you don't. Y'all ain't hear me. If you're still jealous of the person you have, if you're still jealous of me, you still love them. Why would you be jealous of them and still trying to divorce them? That don't make no sense. You was in love, girl. And you need to forgive. The way you turn a page is forgive. The way you go on is forgive. The way you get the monkey off your back is forgive. The way the love of God flows in your heart is forgive. You got to forgive, folks. In the Old Testament, you could even get forgiveness if you didn't forgive. And they had to live by that. But God said, if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. See, that's not the covenant you're under. God already forgave you. Isn't that something? And I'm going to show you that in Romans 5 and 5 through verse 8. You can put that down because I don't want to forget that one. Because God said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that something? That's God's love. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. God laid down his life for you to save you. And you will not even forgive when people have mistreated you, done you wrong. People ask Pastor Crump and say, how in the world could you stay married to the same woman 54 years? Huh? I'll tell you how it happened. I just keep on forgiving. My wife is going to be right anyway. Haven't you learned? If you married, the wife is always right. You don't know that yet? You don't know that? You can beat your head against the wall. She's still right. She's the wife. If you don't think so, you ask the man who come out to your house. He's going to tell you the woman is right. You're in the state of Michigan. I'm trying to tell you, you're young, you don't know about marriage, you're in Michigan. My wife beat me up, jumped on my back, scratched me up, down, up and down my back, and I was like, oh my God. And after a while, the police came to the door. I said, what do you come here for? She said, I called him. I said, you called him. I should have been the one who called him. <laughs> I'm the one all bloody. The man came to me and said, sir, you all right? I said, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, he, I said, what do you want? She said, she called me. And then he looked at my wife and said, do you want him to leave? I said, him to leave? I'm the one bleeding. Am I lying? He asked, the, the man asked, the, the police asked her, do you want him to leave? I looked at my wife and said, you ain't going to put me out. You just beat me up. You're going to put me out. That ain't fair. And then she said, oh, I reckon he could stay. 
Now, if you ain't walking in love, the first thing you say is, you wait till he leaves, because that's the first thing happens when you got big brother and big sister when you get into it. You say, you wait till daddy go to work. We gonna straighten this. <laughs> that's what my brother Charles used to tell me. I run every time daddy go to work. I spent a minute days on the porch. I ain't going in till daddy come home. I know what I got coming. <laughs> yeah, big brother, big sister, y'all know that kind of stuff. First Corinthians chapter 13, back to the message. But if you're walking in love, it doesn't keep a record of doing wrong. I said, I forgive you. Them the day of your, them the day of your flesh. Yeah, I don't understand that. You know, but I'm showing, but you got to walk in love. This is my point. They asked me how we got, how we stayed married so long. Me and my wife forgives. That's how we do it. It's nobody been in any more than my wife and I. So how do we stay married 54 years? I forgive her. It, it's, it's not easy. It's love. But you got to forgive. See, it's an awesome thing for the Lord Jesus Christ to stand up on the cross, stand up on the cross. And here he's bloody, Sister Crump, he's bleeding. The people just beat him. All night, all night, he's been beaten. He's bleeding from his head to his toes. And the same people that beat him it's now saying, come down from the cross, Jesus, and we'll believe you who you are. Jesus, if you be the Christ, come down, we'll believe you now. These folks just got fed last week. He fed them, healed their body, fed them. Everything they needed for three and a half years, the man prayed for them all night, every night, three and a half years. They had no problem while he was there. John 17 said, Father, keep them in thy name. He kept those people for three and a half years. They were under Roman bondage. And the Roman could not mess with them because Jesus was there. But when Jesus went to that cross, they mama, they complained. They turned him over to the people. They said, who do you want? Do you want Jesus of Nazareth? Do you want Barabbas? They said, give us Barabbas. The man just fed you, raised your dead, healed your sick, saved your family, and you said, you just give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. And they chose the murderer over Jesus. And you want to know, do God love you? God's love is always in ED, ED at the end. There's no such thing as love no more with God. He already loved. The cross was an emblem of God's love. Say it again. The cross, the cross. was an emblem. That's why the cross is like, it's an emblem of God's love. So anytime somebody says, I just want to do God love me. How much do God love me? He went to the cross for you. He died and paid for your sins. Isn't that something? You know, all the stuff that you've done all your life, he's already paid for. He paid 
everything you have ever done in your past, in your present, and in your future. Your sins have been forgiven. Past tense, present tense, future tense. Now, I know some people don't believe that because they don't believe the word. But that the word says, Christ didn't die for you when you got here. Romans 5, 5 through 10, we done. 5, 5 through 8. 1 Corinthians 3, I'm not going to be able to do it. God, do it on the next teaching. Sorry. Romans 5, 5 through 8. See, what we do is we try to love people with our love. You can't love nobody. With, I can't love Sister Crump with my love. We're going to work. I had to get saved. I had to get God's love. See, God's love doesn't change. See, that's what people are trying to do. They're trying to love people what they love. That's why I don't work. When you're trying to love people, I'm, I, I just finished 1 Corinthians 13, and I, I won't go to Romans. Let's, let's stay right there. Because I'm in the NLT, and I'm in 1 Corinthians 13. I got less than five minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me just finish that verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the NLT. Verse number Verse number six, love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. See, people think they love it. Is that right? If, if, if I was loving, my wife and I wouldn't be together today. Because love doesn't give up. See, what you try to do is love somebody with your love. You can't do it. When God talking about love, he's talking about his love. God have to put his love in your heart and you love people with your love. That's his love now. His love never fails. His love never give up. That's why you had the particle son. That son had left and spent all he had, but that particle son hand was still stressed out waiting for him to come home. That father was still waiting for him to come home. The prodigal son left spent all he had. Why? Because love doesn't quit. Love doesn't stop loving. Love doesn't stop loving based on what you do. See, as long as you're good to some people, they love you. As long as you give them everything you, they need, they love you. And you mess up, you out of here, dude. There ain't no love. What if God kicked us out every time we messed up? Ain't the kind of God we serve. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's what love does. Now prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. That's on the next verse. We got to keep showing the verse so the people can see them. That's the next verse. I'm waiting on the next verse. See, I want them to see what I'm saying. So it said prophecy and speaking in other unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Love will last forever. See, once you get God's love in your heart, you know because you got born of the Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, you are born of love. Now, how can a man be born of love and a woman be born of love but don't love? Love lasts forever. God's love lasts forever. Not our, 
Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Watch what it says. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gifts of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, that was grace. That's what they was waiting on, the fullness of the Bible. You already got that now. These partial things will become useful, useless. Now Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, and that's what needs to happen. You want to know why Pastor Crump and Sister Crump still together after 54 years? We had to grow up. We used to fuss. I told a couple, fuss it, won't get it. I could have wrote the book. I could have wrote the, what you say? I could have wrote the book. I could have wrote the book. Now, my wife fussed more than I do. Now, watch, well, I'm going to show you how to start, a, start an argument. My wife fussed more than I do. You supposed to say what? No, you fuss more than I do. I'm showing you how to start an argument. No, you fuss more than I do. <laughs> See, you can start an argument over anything. But people don't understand. You, you can do that, and all of a sudden, I tell you what, you just eat, you cook, you warm your own food up. Now, how do we get to warming our own food up because we just... But that's what people do. They take just an argument that we had and they turn around and throw all everything away. Everything away. The marriage away, the house away, the car away, the children away. Throw it all away because I'm mad. And all you need to do is forgive. Isn't that something? Come on, look at somebody and say, don't throw it all away. Forgive. Come on, stand up on your feet. Because that's what we could have done. We could have thrown our marriage away, our home away, our family. See, people don't realize what you're doing when you don't forgive. You're getting ready to throw it all away. The house you worked for all your life. Everything that you own. You're getting ready to throw it all away. Oh, my God. See, I see why my wife and I stayed together. This is why we stayed together. If I didn't forgive and my wife didn't forgive, we would have thrown it all away. We were just thrown, John. We just thrown the house away. We would have thrown everything in our house. We worked hard for all our life. It's just been thrown away. Because I wouldn't forgive. Oh my God. I don't know who you are, man. You changed my whole message. I wish I could, I wish I could say, you know what I was saying? Don't throw it all away. Don't throw it all away. You can learn how to forgive. Don't throw everything away. You throw your marriage away, your children. Nobody can see one another anymore. You divide the house, divide the family. Everything you got because you don't want to forgive and love one another. And I don't know who you are in this church, but God wants you bad. God sent his sons to the call because he wanted you that much. You need a pastor? church. 
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.